What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. It is hard to believe, but the NFL draft is already in the rearview mirror, and many camps are about to start up. But we're going to rewind and we're going to recap to what the Buccaneers did in the rest of the NFL draft here on this edition of the pod. I am Trey Downey, one half of this dynamic duo. You can follow me on Twitter, at TD Experience. And my first round draft pick is with me every week on this pod. You can follow him on Twitter, at Elmar810. He's the one, he's the only, he is Lynn Martez. What's up? What a combine workout convinced you, huh? Um, (laughs) First round pick. You traded down a little bit to get me, chump. And I saw your draft board. There was about three or four names ahead of my name, chump. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> did it? Did, did my draft board leak out? Like, these yeah, like teams Jerry start Jones to every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I kind of saw yours on Twitter. Hey, look. Yeah, you know, we had Martez <laughs> up there. Uh, yeah, we had him up there. You look, and there's a couple of names above my name. What's up? What's going on? You know what's you know what's funny speaking of that is we always think about the draft and these post media or these post draft media availabilities and us in the media were I haven't personally asked the questions but we're all guilty of it like how happy are you with your draft class like these GMs and coaches are ever going to say like man we didn't get what we wanted this year like even if you didn't get what you wanted like you're picking these guys. So in the back of your head, you're like trying to convince yourself like these guys are going to turn out. You're never going to see a uh, guys go into one of these media availabilities and say, oh, I wish we could have got this guy. It's just not going to happen. And two, every single time in the draft room, you're going to see clapping and hugging and everything too, no matter who you got. Well, not only that, but even when you watch the draft, right? You have fans who are like cheering sixth round picks, and God bless them. You know what I mean? The guy who gets drafted, you know, 217th player pick, you know, Coach you know, God bless them. But you got fans cheering it. A, they didn't know who Coach was before he got drafted. B, they're cheering because that's their team. So here you have the GM. You want the GM to come out and be like, yeah, man, we didn't get we didn't get who we wanted. Tell the fan base at that after you know, sunshine and rainbows all weekend long. Because like I said, there have been drafts where teams have fans of teams have booed picks. But I watched a good bit of the three days: Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There wasn't a whole lot of booing going on. There wasn't a whole lot of booing going on. Uh, other than when Roger Goodell went up there, but booing picks didn't happen. So with that, sunshine, rainbows, and yes, as you stated, the GM is going to come out and be like, hey, man, everything fell into place. We got who we wanted. Yeah, of course it's going to do that because you just have the fan base, you know, cheering your picks and be like, hey, everything is great. Everybody's going to make the playoffs. We're going to go, you know, 12 and 5. Every team's going to build a 12 and 5. Nobody's going to lose more than five games this year. Except for the Lions and the Falcons. Um, <laughs> they didn't get booed either. 
So let's let's talk about what the Bucks did in the rest of the NFL draft. Uh, if you want to listen to what we thought about the Bucks drafting Logan Hall with the first pick of the second round, you can go back and listen to last week's pod on this same feed. Len and I recap that pick moments after the Bucks made that selection last Friday night. But also on Friday night, they traded up three spots higher in to. Uh, higher into round two to make their second second round pick and it was Luke Gadecki, an offensive tackle out of Central Michigan and I put this out on Twitter as soon as the pick was uh, was made and when I saw the pick didn't do a ton of research on Mac offensive linemen I, I think I can speak for you and say you didn't either there Lynn but I was, uh, all, in. I was all in man Central Michigan baby yeah uh, yeah, the uh, Bucks player last year who didn't have the best of reputations is a, is was a Chippewa. But, um, but hey, man, say what you want. <laughs> he put the Chippewas on the map. But in talking about Luke Gadecki, I see tackle, and I'm like, huh? Because that's where the Bucks were solid going into this draft. Because you have Donovan Smith and you have Tristan Wirfs on the outside. But then instantly. When the pick is made, Todd McShay on the ABC coverage pops on the screen and says, Luke Gadecki, I think, can slide in and play guard and be a great guard in the NFL. And when you say great guard instantly for a 57th overall pick, I'm all in on that. And the Bucks lost both of their starting guards this past offseason. Ali Marpet retired and Alex Kappa signed with the Cincinnati Bengals. They make the trade for Shaq Mason out of the New England Patriots, but they need another starting guard. And I would not be shocked if Luke Gadecki is starting at one of those guards because the Bucks have done a great job at getting these young offensive linemen ready to play instantly. Donovan Smith started from day one. Tristan Wirf started from day one. And then Marpet and Kappa, guys from a lot smaller schools than those two, those guys started quickly as well. So I think that there's a good chance that Gadecki is lining up next to Wirfs or uh, next to Donovan Smith to start the season. I don't know exactly which side they're going to slot Shaq Mason in on just yet. Yeah, first things first. Um, when we say Central Michigan being on the Bucks last year, let it be known we're not talking about Sean Murphy Bunting. Who no, 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 no. So went to Central Michigan and it was a chipper one. We're not speaking of him. We're speaking of another guy who's not around, war number 81 let you go with that but as far as uh Godecki's concerned here's a guy who when you talk about what other people said about him one of the things that sticks out to me is like the guy's a mauler you know and they and, and you know you get the knocks you get the weaknesses short arms or whatever you know he played right tackle but he's gonna play the guard in the NFL and I, I get all that but, but that's the, what the Bucks need but the most the most most important thing is does he have his technique that that's the most important thing that is the most important thing. When you're going to play inside O-line, does he have his technique down? If he has that, that's what separates the bad guards or the decent guards from the great ones. And if scouts or guys who do this for a living say that he's going to be a good, if not great guard, then I'm kind of somewhat sold. But the thing about drafting him in the second round is... <sighs> You already made a trade for one guy and and, and Shaq, right? You made the trade with the Patriots to get him, and you know if, if he ends up 
being your, one of your starting guards for fifth round pick, <laughs> bow down to Jason Light. But you also made picks last year. And I, and I, I, I said it again. I'll probably say it every podcast until I'm blue in the face, black and blue. That is the fact that you never have enough depth when it comes to the offensive line, right? You never have enough depth when it comes to the offensive line. So with that, hey, Luke Gudecki, welcome to Tampa Bay. But you made investments the last couple of years for the offensive line and even the guard position. So there'll be a battle. I don't think you're going to pencil them in just yet. With Robert Hainsey, Robert Hainsey Hainsey might have and yeah, then. Stinney, who they brought yes. back as well. Like I said, Hainsey might have might have a say to that dude. I mean, you know, Friday night, Hainsey's watching the, the draft, and he's thinking, okay, cool. I got competition. But he's got to think in those terms because that's what they did. They're basically telling Hainsey and they're telling Luke Udecki, battle out. We're going to see who's going to start. But know this. <laughs> Know this, within five feet of you, seven feet of you, is the GOAT. So bring your A game. Now let's talk about the third round pick, which is probably the sexiest pick that the Bucks made this draft, just be simply because of position. And that's running back Rashad White out of Arizona State. And going into this draft on previous podcasts, I've mentioned how much I liked Kenneth Walker and how I hoped that he would fall to the Bucks. He actually got picked while we were recording last week's show by the Seattle Seahawks. Am I as thrilled with this white pick initially as I would have been with Kenneth Walker, as I would have been with a Brees Hall, maybe even a James Cook or an Isaiah Spiller? Not necessarily, but then when you dig deeper, it makes a lot of sense because this guy, led Arizona State in rushing and receiving last year, and he was second on the team in receptions. You get your back, that can catch the football. No, I'm not with what? you. I'm no? not with you. I've seen enough out of Keyshawn Vaughn to, to say that he's he's probably going to push um, Rashad White real hard to make this football team. And if, unless Rashad White ends up being – something of a special teams contributor, I don't think he makes his football team. And As I know you third round pick. I know wow. I, I know you're going there. I know I knew you were going there. But here's the thing. And and look, he may make this team as a practice squad player because eventually, you know, Gio Bernard 2023 probably not gonna be part of this football team, right? I mean like, we can take a chance and say that, right? So you may have you may have Rashad White be on this team if he clears practice squad he ends up being on the practice squad but i saw enough from Keyshawn vaughn to think that he could be he could be your third running back or your second running back behind leonard fournette don't Catching forget the football? There, was, there was a time yes there was a time where he was your starting running back don't forget that yeah okay ronald jones was out Leonard Fournette missed about three or four games at the end of the season. Keyshawn Vaughn played right where you're located there, tough guy. Yep. Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. All right, he had a big game there. I'm not telling you Keyshawn Vaughn is, you know, all, all in be all running back. What I'm telling you is 
being in this league like he has a couple of years, he is he better have learned what it means to be a pro and to continue to get better. And not only that, let's not forget, 12 months ago, maybe about 11 months ago, Tom Brady's got his workouts going on with the team, right? And then also, there's the minicamp. Guess who missed minicamp last year when it came to the Bucks? Keyshawn Vaughn. He better have gotten that message that the fact that they drafted, as you mentioned, third-round pick, Rashard White. My issue with White is he runs too straight up, dude. I mean, he's he's that's the biggest feet, knock on him. He's six feet tall, two fifteen. He runs too straight up. Not only that, when it comes to between the tackles, <laughs> he ain't do it in college. You think he's gonna do it in the pros? That's that's why I'm telling you, Keyshawn Vaughn's got a big leg up when it comes to being the second running back on this football team. And Giovanni Bernard being that third down back that Tom Brady is going to count on to catch the football. I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of in terms of catching the football. When you lead a Pac-12 football team in receiving, I I think you've got a good chance to make the team in the NFL. And and I don't think that the Bucks make that pick in the third round if they think that there's any chance that he doesn't make that team. Your third that, round picks, you're banking to be contributors. Listen, I get it. They they saw they saw something in them to get him. And obviously they probably thought that someone else was gonna take him if they didn't in the third round. But don't tell me that third round picks automatically have a spot on football teams. And I'm not saying you, but just generally speaking, because there have been plenty of third round picks that have gotten cut from football teams. So Rashad White's gonna have his work cut out for him to make this football team. And again, I'll say it again. Keyshawn Vaughn may have better have gotten the message that Kango Bruce was sending last year from minicamp when he missed minicamp last year. Now, one of the other needs that the Bucks that the Bucks had circled going into the draft was tight end. They take two tight ends, Kate Otten from Washington in the fourth round, and then the uh, the player that you mentioned, Coquif, out of Minnesota in the sixth round uh especially considered considering Otten's coming off of ankle surgery in in November that's a guy who you think that they want to have ready but I still think the Bucks are banking on Gronk coming back and these guys are kind of luxury and especially with especially with Keith who if you listen to a lot of the draft pundits that that was a reach most projected him as not even necessarily a priority undrafted free agent that this is a guy that the Bucks, you know, are taking a risk on seeing if he can be a special teams contributor. And speaking of special teams, the one that I, the one pick that I want to circle in on, and the one pick out of the entire draft for the Bucks that will be a contributor in 2022 was their fourth round pick, 133 overall, Jake Camarda, the punter out of Georgia. 2020 SEC Special Teams Player of the Year. Yes, this means that the Bucks are going to part ways with Bradley Pinion. It is a cost-saving move to get them more under the cap. And Camarda uh, is going to come in right away. And, and, and he's going to be the guy uh, for the Bucks moving forward. And, you know, 
not every draft pick in terms of uh, kickers has turned out well for Jason Light, but when you're drafting the SEC Special Teams Player of the Year, you think that this guy can come in and contribute immediately, and honestly, there's not as big of a microscope on punters as there is, as there is kickers. Yeah, but don't give me don't give me the recognitions because <laughs> there was a certain kicker that came from Florida State with plenty of college recognitions. Yeah, okay? no, I'm so, with you. Yeah, I'm with you. So, and greatest college kicker of all time. Yeah, okay. But let's yeah. be honest, that was that was all your fault anyways. You're the last person to ever speak to him. The Mush Mush <laughs> Martez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mush Roberto Guado. <laughs> uh when it comes to the when it comes to the two tight ends, look, neither one of these guys are flashy. One's one's even less flashier than the other one. You mentioned Coquif and and when you when you mention special teams, that's the first thing that I thought of. This guy, if, if he if he's able to make this football team, it's going to be because of being a contributor contributor on the special teams. And you know, I like his attitude when it comes to what he said in regards to you know, hey, down and dirty, block my behind off. And I'm paraphrasing, but that that's his approach when it comes to you know playing tight ends. Guy's a big big guy, two hundred sixty five pounds. And he's, he's basically a you know third guard if he's out there blocking, um, but I don't know that he's going to see a lot of time to do that. If he sees his time, it'll probably be on special teams if he, if he's able to make this football team. You were impressed with the fact that they drafted a punter in the fourth round, and that's the player that sticks out for you after taking Logan Hall in this draft. But for me. There's a guy you haven't mentioned that I'm going to go. Are you going to go with number 248? Seventh round pick? No, I'm not. No, no. although, although I will say this much about Mr. 248, and that's that's Andre Anthony, and, and, and the fact that he wouldn't have been there. He would not have been there if it wasn't for the fact that he got hurt. That's the thing. He got hurt, but he put up. Three and a half sacks in three games. You're drafting an edge rusher from LSU late in the seventh round? That's a low-risk, high-reward pick right there. Ten sacks in 35 games at college. and I mean, he's a producer. He's an edge rusher. He's a producer. But that's not the guy. The guy that that sticks out to me is Zion McCollum from uh, from Sam Houston State. And you can talk about the competition, whether it's Central Arkansas or Jacksonville State all of, you know, Stephen P. Austin. You can talk about the competition, but this guy is talented. And He's tall, too. Tall, talented, and let's not forget, I brought it up last week, and I'll bring it up again, the fact that moving forward, they have cornerbacks on this team that are going to be free agents after next year. And, if I mean, like I said, McCollum was impressive at Sam Houston. And I think he's going to have a real shot at making his football team. That's the guy that, that when it comes to 2020, 2022 draft, an obvious guy that's probably going to see a lot of playing time when it comes to the draft is Logan Hall. But don't be surprised if McCollum is right there when it comes to playing time with the other guys besides this guy that's going to kick on fourth down. All right, so we've touched on all of the Bucks draft picks. Before we wrap things up, one of the big storylines that we talked about on last week was how all the quarterbacks that there was a handful of them that people thought could be late first round picks that 
didn't go. And we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And all these quarterbacks finally get taken. Desmond Ritter is the second quarterback taken. He goes to the Atlanta Falcons. You have Malik Willis finally goes to the Tennessee Titans. You have Matt Corral goes to another team in the NFC South and the Carolina Panthers. And then Sam Howell out of North Carolina, a guy who I mentioned that I think could be the best quarterback out of this class, goes to the Washington Commanders. Lynn, out of those guys, none of them are going to get as high of a priority going into the season just because of where they were drafted. But which one of those guys do you like the situation that they're heading into the best as far as eventually uh, possibly being the starter for their football team? <laughs> the one that won't be mentored by the starting quarterback currently right now taking snaps who had the audacity to say he's not going to mentor someone, but yet wants to win playoff games throwing 87 or 100 yards. Ryan Tannehill, you know what? I'm not even going to beef about Ryan Tannehill. Folks have been making a big deal about him not wanting to mentor. You know what? I'm not even going to go there with him because the obvious thing is, you're right. You know what? You shouldn't mentor him because he's going to take your daggone job. Because again, you're a quarterback that throws for three interceptions in a playoff game. And you're the sole reason why Tennessee lost that football game. So that's a situation I like because Malik's probably going to end up winning that football job. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen next year or 2022, but Ryan, it's okay. Don't mentor that guy. <laughs> He's going to take your job without your help. You creep. Maybe I'm just saying this just because I, I'm still bullish on his prospects in the NFL. I think, I think the, the commanders are a good spot for Sam Howell because if Carson Wentz continues to screw things up, he'll, he'll at least get a – at least get a shot there in Washington. Uh, I don't like the fit for Corral in Carolina. Nope. You've still got another quarterback on the roster. There are rumors that they're going to trade for Baker Mayfield, and you've got what seems like a lame duck head coach. And Desmond Ritter, the situation seems good, especially because a lot of people have his pro comparison to Marcus Mariota. You can learn under that guy. You've got a smart young head coach in Arthur Smith. I'm just not that high on Ritter's prospects of being a starting NFL quarterback, but the situation makes sense okay, there in Atlanta. Yeah, okay. The comparison's cool. Here's the problem with the comparison. The guy you're being compared to is on his third team and he's not that old. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's his cop, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Marcus Mariota, Tennessee, Oakland, and now Atlanta. That's a problem. The other storyline that came out this past week concerning the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is that their international game is set. They will play the Seattle Seahawks in Germany later this season. A lot of people are complaining that the Bucs are playing an international game. But remember, there are 17 games now. And so the Bucs are still going to have eight traditional home games at Raymond James Stadium. And to be honest, I think that the way that this 17-game schedule should eventually evolve to make it fair for everybody is every team plays eight game, eight home games, eight road games, and one neutral site game. You can expand the international scene a lot, a lot more. 
I think that's eventually how it could play out with the NFL expanding further into Europe. And you've still got Mexico City. You could play games in Toronto. You could even go down to, to a place like Brazil, possibly, and play some football games. I think that that's the, the way to go. Full schedule comes out next week. No, that sounds fair. That might be the smartest thing you've said in, it in a long time. That, it sound, that sounds fair. And why not? Right? You, you, you turn the schedule from 16 to 17, and you have, a, you have an extra game. Because here's the thing, who do you want to play nine home games as opposed to eight home games? Yeah. Right? Forget it. Let all, let all 32 play eight and eight, and everyone plays an international game. I like that. That's not a bad idea. Kudos to you. Donkey Shin. All right, so that's going to do it for this week. We'll be back next week to recap what the Bucks' entire 2022 schedule looks like, and mini camps will be starting up Thursday night, May the 12th is when the entire NFL schedule uh, is released. Lynn, over under five nationally televised primetime games for the Bucks. At five. At five. Push. Okay, I like it. You're probably going to get better odds on that than anything else. Uh, until next week, he is Lynn Martez. You can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com. The team over there doing a great job. Full recap on all of the draft picks. You'll see the schedule release come out there. Great stuff on BucksNation.com on a daily basis from the team over there. But until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.